Welcome to Season 4 of Dreams and Bones, a podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. This podcast is part of Grow Me a Story, our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is created, and inch by inch, row by row, we want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives. My name is Carol Willem Roberts. And I'm her husband, Paul. As your creativity cultivators, Carol and I have been bringing special guests to you since the beginning of 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. Throughout the month of November, we will be sharing parts of our interview with our good friend Alex Cook, who has used his creativity and passion for music to become a music event promoter. We began our interview hearing about how his desire for a creator connection led him down a fascinating and unique path to where he is today. Here is episode one of the Dreams and Bones interview with music promoter, Alex Cook. Well, hello and welcome to Dreams and Bones. We are here with our friend, Alex Cook. And Alex is someone we've been wanting to talk to for a while. We've known him for a couple of years. And and where are we? We are at the 6th Street Melodrama and Theater, sitting in the women's dressing room. Yes, we're, we're, we're on location. Kind of on location. Yeah. <laughs> so if you hear uh, cars racing by, that's on Interstate 90 right outside the window. Because <laughs> Alex lives on this end of the valley, and Paul's been, you know, we've been doing rehearsals for our play, so we thought this would be a good place to do this. So we, like I said, we've been wanting to talk to Alex. We think he um, has some interesting insights on creativity, Mm -hmm. and so first tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, where to begin? When I turned 18, I started my own business, Mm. comic book shop, Ah. but, and that was directly, uh, we had our senior all-nighter in high school. And the very next day is when I opened. Wow. Um, but I did not listen to my DECA teacher all that well. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I basically had college money. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I know myself. I know better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was pretty much a straight arrow in high school. Mm-hmm. And where were you? Where did you go to high school at? Where were you? I at? was in Spokane. Okay. For my senior year. And... That night of opening, I was stocking the shelves, and this kid comes in. Suffice to say, three months later, I'd spent a lot of money on partying, uh-huh. and I learned a very hard lesson. Mm-hmm. And my shop became like the party central at the mall, oh, gosh. which didn't make the mall very happy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very quick lesson, thankfully, mm-hmm. but a very deep lesson that kind of like I got right back on the right path real quick because uh, partying and all that stuff. Makes you broke. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. Uh huh. And I also learned that those kind of friends that you get from partying also go pretty quick too. Yeah. They go into the next party. Right. So, um, short time after that, I got more involved with church. Mm-hmm. I had a gentleman, Charles Parsons, that I grew up with. Um, he was a friend of the family since I was like a baby. Mm-hmm. And at that time, he could see that I was kind of falling off track temporarily. Mm-hmm. So, we had just moved to a new church. Um, and he kept encouraging me to come to the young adult class, mm-hmm. the young adult group. And I showed up the night I showed up to that. I thought, well, I'll just I'll go one night just to get him off my back. Yeah. Because I, you know, I 
I had been on fire for God since I was a kid, but in high school, I kind of just it was like a thing, but it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't a, a relationship. Yeah, it was yeah. just going to church to be good rather mm-hmm. than be real. Right. And but I, I just, I just said, I'll just go get him off my back, and then I show up on that Wednesday night to the mid sanctuary where I thought it was going to be. It ended up being the senior group. Oh, old people. Oh. Huh. So, and the pastor's wife, who I had not met yet, but she came, oh, you know, she's like, honey, you know, welcome here, and, and, and I think you have the wrong group, and, but my husband will show you where, where the young adults are meeting, and, but then he got up the pastor, he was the pastor, and he got up on stage, and so I thought, Phew, they forgot all about me, I'll just sit here quietly, and then I'll leave, yep. and I could say that I came, and then she looked, glances back, and then she's like, oh, honey, I forgot you're supposed to take this young man to the... So right in front of all of the old people in the church, <laughs> he comes down off the stage and escorts me back to the group. And oh. so it was kind of... But I learned that lesson of from them. She became... Uh, both of them really became role models to me. Oh, nice. And you know, a gift of hospitality is what they showed and mm-hmm. welcoming. So I kind of just try to remember that too. Even if it's a little embarrassing for the people visiting... Mm-hmm. It still it, it makes an impact. And yeah. It did make an impact that I wasn't just and I the way I was dressed because I was kind of like a punk kid a little bit. Mm-hmm. I had like the black trench coat. Uh uh-huh. mm-hmm. I didn't look like I fit in there at all. <laughs> and but they didn't look at that. Yeah. They looked yeah. at me, and mm-hmm. that's all they cared about. And then within a few because I did um, grow up in the church mm-hmm. and had read the Bible and I knew the Bible really well and it and that moment changed my life mm-hmm. quite a bit. That um, we felt our young adult group volunteered to go to the jail hmm. in Spokane nice. once a week, or maybe it was once a month. No, I think it was once a week. And then over time, our young adult group kind of started petering out, where it was just fewer and fewer people, like with everything else. Right. Came. And then it ended up being this girl and I, and she needed to do a community community type thing to get into Northwestern hmm. College. Okay. And so we volunteered. She encouraged me to volunteer for jail ministry more on a, on a weekly basis. And so we went to the chaplain there, and he inducted us. And But after a few months, she got into Northwestern. So that left me. And there you were. There you were. And so I was there for almost two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the it changed my perspective a lot. Yeah. Uh, in that two years, the, the pastors at the church um, retired. Mm-hmm. So a new pastor came in and a whole new staff came in. Um, but I had committed to the jail. And the floor that I was on, that one day one of the guys asked, you know, because we, we were talking about salvation and baptism and we'd gone over the the, the eunuch mm-hmm. where he gets baptized. Mm-hmm. And then one of us says, we want to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how's that going to happen inside a jail? <laughs> and after, they just kept asking. And then one of the jail guards that was there happened over here. And he, he was from a different church. Mm. And he offered to figure out a way to make something happen because it couldn't happen in the shower. I couldn't be in the shower because that was not safe. It couldn't be in the, mm. the main population area. Mm-hmm. So mm. I didn't know, but I wasn't pursuing it because... The chaplain didn't seem like it was a possibility, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the officials at the jail, you know, didn't seem like it was possible. But the guys kept 
you know, it was like an act of faith. They right. kept believing. And one of the, the gentlemen that was baptized eventually, he was started out when I first got there. He was very angry. He mm-hmm. was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, he flung his excrement mm-hmm. at people. Yeah. So he, during, you know, when we were up on his floor, and generally it was a, we were mostly having our meetings outside of his door, mm-hmm. but he was kind of inside his room during those times because he didn't, he just kind of yelled through the door. Mm-hmm. And, but he was one of the ones that ended up hearing us outside the door. And over time, he just went from this angry guy to, and he nobody in that jail, because he, he got into altercations with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't fight, like he, because he was in a wheelchair, yeah. right? he just acted crazy. Yeah. And, um, but eventually he joined the group and, and after a few months, he wanted to be baptized too. Oh. So they found in, in a part of the jail that had been closed off, an old um, exercise room. They had like a, a therapy tub in there. Oh, wow. A big tub. And the chaplain got on board and other people got on board to make it all happen. And it took really uh, people from different churches. My new pastor then did not want to do it. Mm-hmm. And my young adult, new young adult pastor didn't want us to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of mm-hmm. heartbreaking yeah. for me because like sure. I'm telling these guys all these months, I come to my church. But, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, uh, more of a suburban, you know. Mm-hmm. And our church was, like, worried that people would come and steal from mm-hmm. people there. And yeah. So the, the tune changed. Yeah. But the neat thing is we had 11 guys baptized. The wow. first guys baptized at the Spokane County Jail. Wow. And at the end, the guy in the wheelchair was picked up by the guys who couldn't stand him before. And, and they... Got him into the tub, and it was really, wow. it was a life-changing experience oh, for me. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, I had, was at odds with my church then, too, because yeah. I realized that it took all these different churches to actually make this happen. Mm-hmm. And my church was kind of, this is not something we want to partner with other churches. Mm-hmm. It was like, we believe what we believe. And so I just I had to part ways. I yeah. didn't have a choice. Um, and that kind of set me on a little bit of a tailspin because there's people that I sure. loved and they were like family. Oh, and, yeah. And so I would like, it was like a year where I just drove around a lot over everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just drove. Um, I would, I took the Greyhound for a year or two mm-hmm. just to ride around. And then I came back and then I, to become a pastor, they had a three year course called okay. Wednesday. And I took two years of it. So I didn't quite finish the third mm-hmm. to become an official pastor, but I had that training. In Are you starting or currently working on a creative project, but don't know what to do next? Do you need someone to talk to? Someone who will give you feedback and tools to get your creativity back on track? This is what Gromia's story is all about. Paul and Carol Wollum Roberts your creativity cultivators will help you start, continue, or complete creative projects, big or small. Visit www.growmeastory.com to learn how Paul and Carol can help. Now, back to Dreams and Bones. But when I came back in 1996, I was, I found a, like a, this church just out of the blue. I just happened to show up 
And within a few months, I was the youth pastor. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. It's like, yeah. I did not ask. Yeah. I, never, I never seek anything out. I just, mm -hmm. I just end up being the one that sticks around. Right. Yeah. And then there's no one else to ask. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm learning my lesson again here, too. Yeah. Bit. <laughs> but I was a youth pastor for a while. And I had this kid out in the parking lot who, who just sat in his aunt and uncle's car. They were taking care of him. They asked me that every week to go out and talk to him and invite him into church. Mm -hmm. And then I happened to listen to the music that he was blaring in the car. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know what? I it's, It was a little harder. I was like more like the punk rock. He was like more like the screamo, mm -hmm. death metal type stuff. But, you know, I, just talking to him. And he invited me to uh, a program in downtown Spokane that was catering to like the hardcore Christian kids. Mm -hmm. Just like an outreach that did punk shows, hardcore shows wow and when i first got there i think he was shocked that i came for one uh -huh. but if you invite me i'm like the, that's right the christian vampire don't invite me i'll show up <laughs> but uh and then uh i saw some kids there that i knew from my other church too mm -hmm. that I, except they had blue hair and purple hair this yeah. time yeah. <laughs> but after it just kept coming and then he started coming to church too mm -hmm. actually coming in and he became you know a real leader in that group nice. even though my pastor wasn't all that big of a fan of He had like a pierced lip and, you know, it was just like one of those looks that mm -hmm. doesn't make other parents feel happy that my mm -hmm. kid's in with that kid. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know, it was a good experience though. And eventually at one time, the gentleman that was doing that decided to retire. Mm -hmm. I always get it at that time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I took it over. Mm -hmm. um, and then we started doing shows. Um, we met with um, a bunch of different churches in town, the Catholic Diocese for one, mm -hmm. the women that kind of led. They don't have a youth group like Protestants have. Youth right. Mm -hmm. um, but she gave us permission to to have all of her kids come. Mm -hmm. We had several bigger churches that decided that they wanted that kind of music because at that particular time, it was like Blink-182 was coming. And that was Skillet had just come out. Yeah, and yeah. In fact, we had some, it was like, we were like right before they got big. Uh -huh. And that's yeah. kind of like where I like it. Like right. Yeah. Um, but uh, then my pastor, because it started getting big. We had like groups of like three, 400 people at wow. some of the shows. And we started doing things with bands from like California hmm. and the coast. And so it was becoming a bigger thing. But my pastor gave me an ultimatum one day. It was like, you have to choose between the music or your youth group. And that honestly broke my heart. Yeah. Because if not for the youth group, there wouldn't have been a music thing. And if mm -hmm. not for the music thing, our youth group would And it was just, but then you develop relationships with the kids, and not just the kids, but their parents right, and everybody right. else. So it was devastating. It's like, I, I kind of was mad at God. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I put all this time into it and everything and all this energy, and now I have to choose. And like, I don't have the wisdom of Solomon. Wow. I'm not gonna. Do, I don't want to. I don't want to split the baby in half because yeah, right. that's what yeah. it felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I ended, I ended up actually choosing neither. Mm. I just I I was gonna hurt somebody really bad no matter what I chose. Right, right. And so I just and I don't think anybody understood, but I decided to hurt myself mm. more than them. But I think it was a big hurt mm -hmm. all around, and I was devastated. I was and I was angry. So I didn't want anything to do with Christian music anymore of any kind. Yeah. 
but because I had started doing shows there, that's kind of something I learned to do. And so I started doing shows around the country, mm. different events, different things. And one of the things that I did that I still like from then is finding up and coming talent. Because mm. a lot of the bands that we worked with back then were new to like Tooth and Nail Records was a big label mm. in the late. They did like Hawk Nelson and a lot oh. of big names that yeah. are big names now. Um, MXPX became a big band. And so I like finding the music right before yeah. it got mm-hmm. huge. And mm-hmm. I've always done that, like shows that I've done. Yeah. And and I and now and my my music taste has developed too. I was like like the you know, I was not an, an 80s music person at all. <laughs> and I grew up with a family that was like into like the Oompa bands, like Pulses <laughs> and yeah. Polka. I have a very European mm-hmm. and my family was very old. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a lot of polka. Yeah. In fact, they were twelve. Did you watch? Oh yes, twelve. Yep. I didn't know. I don't know if I watched. But it it was on. It It was was there. Yes, Yes. it was definitely on. (laughs) Yes. In fact, most of my family had like old eight-track players. And I don't even think they made uh, polka on cassettes or anything else. It was all eight-track polka. (laughs) Yeah. So I was not. In fact, when I was a kid, my parents wouldn't let me listen to secular music. Mm -hmm. And then my grandma, yeah. she had a like her own resort. My cousins left two of their records behind it with her record player, which also dueled as an eight track player too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> but they left the two records: Fleetwood Mac and Billy Joel. Oh wow! So my mom said on the phone, "You can listen. You can choose one. You can listen to that." So I spent like the whole summer listening to Billy Joel. Yeah. I had every word memorized. Wow. So that was like which my one was it? Glass houses. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But I'm glad too because I like that now that I've oh, heard yeah. Fleetwood Mac. I, yeah, I like Billy Joel. But that was like my only Dallas of secular music mm-hmm. from like before the '90s, mm-hmm. and and then I went just like straight. I don't know how I got into punk rock, but mm-hmm. it's probably a girl or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I I just but now since since being more in the secular world, I've developed. I like country, bluegrass. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, classical music. Um, we had last year right. Samuel Morzov, Samuel Plays Brass, play yeah. for the concerto. Yeah. And I've been a fan of his for a few years now. He's mm-hmm. really, really good. And it just amazes me how he can play. I don't know, he just lately, recently he just put out a polka. Or it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, no, not It that. always comes back. <laughs> yeah. But he's doing like all, eight, he did like eight parts, tuba, trumpet, everything all together. And there's like, like the accordion in the middle of some other guy. But mm-hmm. I mean, he knows how to record everything wow. and sync it all up. And it sounds, I mean, he's really, really amazing. And he's, mm-hmm. he's propelled brass online. Wow. Because he plays it all. He literally yeah. does play it all. Plays it all. Thank you for joining us for another year of conversations with people who live creative lives. Paul, any thoughts on today's episode? Well, I did just find it fascinating to listen. I know that Alex has a passion for music. I know that he has a passion for his creator, but really that is coming out as a passion for people. We heard that in his story about working in jail ministry, working in youth ministry, just really a a, a fun way to get more involved and understand Alex's story. Well, as we bring this episode to a close, we would like to thank you for listening to this program. Would you like to see what else we do at Grow Me A Story? 
visit www.throwmeastory.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, read our Fertile Ground blog posts, and find more ways to learn about living a creative life. Join us next Friday for episode two of our interview with Alex Cook. And don't forget to subscribe to Dreams and Bones on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Just search and subscribe to any of these apps on your phone, and you will be notified each Friday when another episode of Dreams and Bones has been published.